Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five of the Bayman Review podcast, where we tackle issues ranging from life hacks to politics to government and MUN tips. But in this week's podcast, we're officially launching our COP series, or if you'd like to call them COP Talks, you're more than free to. And on this episode, we have two amazing guests with us, Reem Trabulsi and Maria Wehbe, part of the COP team, who they're, go- they're going to be introducing themselves in, in just a second. But before they do, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Haya, and I'm the Undersecretary General of Marketing, Design, and Production at Bayman. I do a couple of other things on the side. If you're interested, DM me. I'll, I'll tell you what they are. But for now, I think let's... let's uh, keep the spotlight on our amazing, brilliant guests with us here today, Reem and Maria. So let's start off with Reem Trabulsi. Please, Reem, the floor is yours to introduce yourself. Thank you, Haya. Hi, everyone. My name is Reem Trabulsi. I'm a political studies senior at the American University of Beirut. I serve as the Undersecretary General of Public Relations, Social Events, and the Community Outreach Program for BAME in 2021. And I also serve as the vice executive of Food and Games at Outdoors, which is the largest student-run festival in the MENA region, organized by AUB students. I'll leave the floor to Maria Thank you, Diem, and thank you for having us. Hi, everyone. My name is Maria Wahbe. I am an elementary education senior at the American University, also pursuing a minor in English literature and a teaching diploma in special needs education. I am also a part of the community outreach program at Baymond this year, and I am a staff writer and the secretary of the internship program at the Phoenix Daily, and I am really excited for this. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, I'm really glad that we have both of you on this call today um, because we're talking about sustainability. But before we jump into our topic and kind of justify it for our audience, first of all, we need to introduce what COP is. So, Adim, if you'd like to start us off and define what COP stands for and what it's all about at Bayman. Yes, of course. So, COP stands for Community Outreach Program. It's a program that was launched in Bayman, I believe it was 2019. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of it was for Bayman to give back to the community. Uh, originally, it meant giving back in ways such as collecting and donating funds for a certain cause or volunteering at a certain organization or shelter or whatnot. However, these kinds of methods aren't really available to us this year, considering the pandemic uh, that has overwhelmed us for an entire 12 Mm -hmm. months. But of course, that is not limiting Mm -hmm. us. Uh, We still seek to give back to the community in a different way. In fact, actually, these challenges that have faced us this year have pushed us to think about giving back to the community in a different way. And that is why the community outreach program this year is very much highlighting academic and intellectual contributions, whether it's through writing articles and publishing them on the Bayman website and the Bayman blog, or starting a COP series on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that is what COP is. Exactly. And I really love that. And I had the pleasure of being part of the COP team last year, but unfortunately, we couldn't do much, although we had so much planned. But I'm really glad that this year you're taking it to an intellectual level, Um, because that's what we need. And that's the only way that we can probably reach out to our community in times of distress and discomfort. And of course, uncertainty. Um, So let's dive into our topic right now. So I think that, you know, sustainability in and of itself as a term is so multifaceted. It's not just one thing. It's based on the context in which the word is used. Right. And in order for us to properly define what sustainability is, we need to acknowledge the fact 
that sustainability is this multifaceted concept. So Maria, do you mind elaborating on this, uh, on what sustainability is and the fact that it can be used in so many different ways? Of course, of course. So basically, the issue that we face when we talk about sustainability, especially when it comes up in conversation, is that a lot of people think that sustainability is just this fixed concept and there's just one thing that you're supposed to think about when you think about sustainability. But Mm -hmm. us as the community outreach program, especially, we've been working on this theme for the entire month through the articles and after this podcast. And so when we started tackling it, we were like, okay, there are so many different ways we can tackle sustainability. We can do it through food management, through medical waste, uh, e-waste. There are so many different subcategories that we can go into. It's so much bigger than any of us could have thought. So like when we were working on it, we found it really, really interesting. And it's a really important topic that we should always talk about. That's so cool. And actually, this brings me to my next question. I know that many people who will be listening to this specific episode will be questioning why we're talking about sustainability in the first place in the midst of everything that's going on. Uh, The fact that maybe we, quote unquote, have better things to worry about, right? And I think that Mm -hmm. sustainability as a concept and what it entails is one of the things that we should be worrying about because we're talking about the planet, we're talking about long-term plans and strategies in order for us to save whatever's left, at least, that we could save on our precious earth. So um, would you mind if either of you, maybe Reem, if you'd like to shed some light on why this specific topic was chosen as opposed to other topics that people would consider more pressing? Yes, of course. I mean, you said it yourself, many people might assume that there are more important things to be discussing right now, especially in Lebanon. Um, obviously, the pandemic, this is a concern or a situation that is facing the entire world. But obviously, in addition to Lebanon, there is a social and economic crisis, a political crisis. It's been going mm-hmm. on for a very long time. But this does not mean that the topic of the environment and sustainability, questions on sustainability, should not be just as much on the top of our list. Because at the end of the day, this is our planet that we're talking about. Exactly. Um, like Maria said, well, as we were diving into the topic of sustainability mm-hmm. and considering issues or what topics to tackle we found that there is too much of a wide yeah. array of topics Yeah, wrote a top uh, an article on the fashion industry so that aspect of sustainability mm-hmm. how fast fashion mm-hmm. impacts the environment she also wrote another another on climate change as a whole i believe maria if mm-hmm. you want to share a little bit about that yeah for the- just and share your experience on how how it was to dive into different aspects of sustainability. Yeah, for sure. So um, I wrote articles uh, in regards to sustainability. The first first one, like Reem said, was about the fashion and how it's putting to sustainable development. Doing my research and when I started writing the article with Muhammad, uh, we co-authored the article. It was really surprising all the information that we came across. So for example, the amount of water that we need to produce one single t-shirt could help someone who is in need of water for 10 years. Can you even imagine? Like, it was crazy. Oh, my God. It was crazy. It was crazy. And, like, the fashion industry contributes 10% of the global emissions of uh, carbon dioxide, which is more than all international flights and the uh, maritime organizations. Like, it's crazy how much sustainability should be a topic of discussion, yet it's not. So when I was doing my research and when I was writing my articles, I found it so interesting And the other article was I was talking about how 
in schools and universities, curriculums and as well the university or school as a whole fails to teach their students how to live a sustainable life. So, for example, in the UK, exactly. there were these protests that students were doing. They said, we want to have sustainability courses at our schools. So it was really, really, a really interesting experience. And I yeah. think that, before... Yadim, go ahead. I hey, Before we go any further, this, uh, this is a disclaimer that I want to make that maybe we should have made at an earlier point. But, you know, we're not claiming <laughs> to be specialists in the topic of environmentalism For or sustainability. Sure. We're just students who are concerned about the environment and our planet and our country and wanting to have a conversation about sustainability and different uh, facets. Definitely. And um, I'd like to circle back to what Maria just mentioned about, you know, students actually protesting, going out of their way to convince people who are in charge of designing their curriculums Mm -hmm. to include sustainability uh, topics and classes um, there's this new trend, there's this new wave that's happening, this, this new wave of awareness, this new wave of acknowledgement that we should be leading more sustainable lives. And the problem is that no one teaches us how. And at an age like ours, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, we're, we're 20, 21, we are at an age where we have to start making choices of our own. You know, we're moving out of our parents' houses. We have to start consuming products of our own. We have to, whenever you go to the supermarket, you have all of these different um, range of choices when it comes to detergent or when it comes to, um, you know, any chemicals that you would use in your house. Like those, those specific products as well make all the difference in how you are contributing to the problem that is global warming or how you're contributing to um you know the 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 problem of climate change so as consumers we have to take these factors into consideration so can any of you actually um if media or uh, either of you actually to highlight what the factors are that we should take into consideration when we buy a product and it could be any product it doesn't have to be a product we find in the supermarket it could be a product we find at fast fashion stores it could be a product we find at i don't know um at a shoe store even you know even shoes now they're being their their um their material are considered more sustainable and like there's it's just the fact that sustainable is such a buzzword the fact that people that brands are just you know put, putting it on all their products and yeah. assuming that we know what it means that's the, that's also the root of the problem mm-hmm. so what are the factors that we should consider when we buy a product Media. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm just going to touch upon that a bit because there is this concept that a lot of brands fail to mention, which is the environmental cost, which basically means the the deterioration, sorry, of natural assets when you are producing that certain product. So a lot of products or consumers fail to look at this aspect of it because they know, know, oh, okay, if we do this, then what are like what are we actually buying you know what i mean so basically it is exactly concept where we don't even take into consideration the environmental damage that we are doing when buying a certain product because the more we buy the more we encourage the production of that certain product and so it is something Mm -hmm. that we should take into consideration because the people that create these products they're not going to be saying oh okay we have to cut for example this many trees to produce this but it is our duty as consumers to make sure that we are aware of this because we are Mm -hmm. part of the problem it's not only those who produce but us as consumers we are part of the problem brilliant brilliant 
And the fact that we have to be passive and not active, right? We have to be passive consumers and there's this responsibility as part of this new and upcoming generation to solve the problems that have been left for us by the older generation because they didn't believe in the concept of sustainability. This whole, Mm -hmm. this is a new trend that, you know, I believe uh, came up in the last 10 years or so, which is relatively recent. So Reem, I'm sorry I interrupted you. So if you'd like to uh, continue. Completely fine. I just wanted to say that um, it's interesting you are calling it a trend that everyone is hopping onto and I do think there is an element of truth to that um, where big brands, big fast fashion brands are wanting to integrate um, the term sustainability into their marketing and maybe even create a new line of quote-unquote sustainable and ethical fashion mm-hmm. but because we do not necessarily know what it means to produce an ethical uh, or a sustainable piece of clothing, an item of clothing, it's, it's easy to be fooled by, by these big words and by these green posters that they put out when they are marketing their product. Uh, so, you know, for example, H&M has an entire sustainable line. Mm-hmm. However, because I don't necessarily understand what fashion in the first place, I I am not able to judge whether their new line is uh, any more sustainable than or as sustainable as it can be. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And that's where like that uh, there's actually a term for this. It's called green marketing. Mm-hmm. And, right. um, you know, companies, it's, it's it really drives you crazy when you realize that these companies are trying to profit off of our lack of knowledge. And the fact that we aren't well educated on this topic of sustainability. And the problem is that there are so many people who can be easily fooled. It's, it, I'm sorry to say this, but there are people who like, as soon as they see the sustainability tag, they're going to be like, oh my God, I want to be a conscious consumer. And I actually H&M's line of sustainability clothing is called conscious. Like that's, that's, that's even more um, ironic because we don't know what goes into the production of these clothes. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes. We don't know what the hidden costs are. And for all we know, the definition of sustainability that we have on the top of our minds is probably a definition that they wanted us to perceive or a definition that they fed to us unconsciously. Mm-hmm. So you see where that is. It's so ironic to use these terms because they all intertwine and intersect at one point or another. Yeah. So... Um, Yarim, do you want to say anything? Yeah, I actually wanted to uh, pose a question. So we're talking mm-hmm. about as a general concept, as a worldwide concept. However, I want to raise a question to bring it more local to Lebanon. Yes, um, definitely. Why we are unable to carry out sustainable lifestyles in Lebanon. Is, it, is there anything about Lebanon specifically that prevents us from doing so? Um, other countries like the UK, it seems easier for them to take initiatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems that there is already um, a sustainability culture. Exactly. That's, yeah. yeah. There's this underlying it's spirit, like, or, and we're adopting yeah. this, um, these, these uh, practices. And it's something that's, that's woven into the culture or it's not. And the problem, I think, at least from my perspective, before I leave the floor to Maria, is that sustainability in Lebanon is still, you know, we have so many things we have to worry about in Lebanon before we worry about what our clothes are made from or where the meat we're eating is coming from, if it's considered good for the environment or not. I think that people are just really so overwhelmed that when it comes to thinking about their conscious choices, they're not going to care because of all the problems that they have to care about already, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
let's let's assume in this conversation that Lebanon is an ideal place right now and it's it's a country like any other with no political problems no economic problems let's assume that i think that it's fair for us and then we can also take out take it to the next level and consider all of the problems that are going on so in an ideal version of lebanon you know part of living a sustainable life includes decreasing dairy and meat production and all of these types of food but it's such an important part of our lifestyle and what we consume as lebanese and as arabs so maria do you mind shedding some light on what you know regardless of the fact that um you know lebanon might be ideal or not like why is it hard to live such a sustainable lifestyle in lebanon specifically for sure for sure um i mean i think the main problem that we might have in lebanon one of the main problems is especially we do not have tap water and sometimes Mm -hmm. we fail to understand how big of a problem this is because it's like it's going to increase for example our daily income Okay, sorry, I um, messed up. Okay. No, it's okay. Okay, so I was I meant it's kind of this concept of where we, since we do not have tap water, we need to buy more plastic water bottles. And so this mm-hmm. is going, we are contributing to pollution, but at the same time, it's out of our hands. Like we have to contribute because we have no other choice because we are not having access to this tap water. And it's not only exactly. that. And like you said, for example, the fact that we do consume a lot of dairy and we have to... Uh, always eat meat and chicken all of these because this is part of our culture so for example if we mm-hmm. were to go um and invite someone to lunch or it's like the typical lebanese lunch that we all have on yeah. Sundays, we cannot <laughs> not have meat and chicken on the table exactly because it would be exactly. like and the you know, this is, and the exactly jibne. it's just a part of our, who we are exactly and it's problematic because this is not something mm-hmm. that we do consciously but at the same time whether we like it or not we are contributing to more climate change and more uh, air pollution and all of these but i mean at the end of the day it's not easy to make a change like this is yeah. part of our yeah. lifestyle this is the way we are it's the way we were raised and so mm-hmm. if we want to become more sustainable we have to realize that this is something that is going to take time and we need to be willing to do so exactly yeah. and it goes back to that element of you know, we know that this problem exists. So the Mm -hmm. fact that we acknowledge the problem or at least are trying to make sense of the problem and we're pushing other people to understand that this is a prevalent issue is part of the solution. So we can't like um, assume that, you know, right now I'm going to cut dairy out of my life. I'm going to cut meat out of my life. I would would love to, but it's just so hard because Mm -hmm. as a Lebanese, as an authentic Lebanese person, it's part of who I am as a Lebanese to consume meat and chicken and dairy on a regular basis. And it's not just about our food. It's about, it's everything that we do. It's, it's from the sheets on your bed to the tissues that you're using to the toothbrush you're using to the toothpaste you, you use every morning and night, like literally every product in our life is related somehow to the problem is mm-hmm. related to contributing to the problem so um i yeah Maria. i think oh, yes. uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i wanted to say that you know we really have an answer to change uh this culture that we have where we invite our extended families to large barbecues every Sunday. I'm not, I don't have a response to this, to be honest. I think this is something a little bit difficult to do because you're talking about 
you know, uh, it's 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 something that we it's a habit, it's a culture, it's part of kind of maybe who we are and how we how we engage with our with our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did want to say that in regards to you know in regards to Lebanon uh, making it difficult or it's being difficult in Lebanon to carry out a sustainable lifestyle. It, it's it's from everything like like you guys are saying it's the tap water it's also the the lack of public transportation that we have and the ironic mm-hmm. thing is that we could have in both these aspects um you know a bunch of different opportunities like with the mountains and the rivers we had if you know if the, if our rivers were clean we would have clean water as well uh we once upon a time used to have a tramway in beirut <laughs> you know the we bring this back mm-hmm. we, there are different opportunities for uh carrying out a sustainable lifestyle Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that we're unable to do so. Um, and it's unfortunate that we're unable to rely on our government to help. Exactly. That, that, that brings does, me to my next point, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem to be like it's on the people themselves yeah. to uh, really integrate uh, sustainable. Yeah, make make their lifestyle more sustainable. It's on them. Yeah, it's on the people. On individuals recycling and teaching others how to recycle, it's very minor, but it is representative of what mm-hmm. what I'm. But we can yeah. also acknowledge the fact that there aren't only like NGOs that exist in Lebanon <clears throat> that tackle this issue. There are also small businesses that yeah. um, are selling sustainable clothing, sustainable items, and the thing is, we don't necessarily engage with them. Maybe it's because you know the majority in Lebanon are very traditional. We're very tradition, like very like-minded in the sense that we don't necessarily acknowledge that this is a problem or want to acknowledge that this is a problem. And this goes back to like, um, you know, our generation of parents and those that came before them. Um, and it's really up to us to make the right choices, right? And this actually goes back to one of the episodes that we had with Sara Labid, I think it was our first episode, um, where we talked about you know, us and our responsibility as a new and upcoming generation, what we have to do, what changes we need to make in order to be part of the solution and not perpetuate the problem. Because yeah, if we're right. just going to keep talking about the problem and do not do anything about it or push other people to be part of the solution, then there's no point. Then what are we doing here? You know, mm-hmm. so the right. NGOs that exist in Lebanon, what do you think the problem is? Why don't we hear about NGOs that are, um, you know, trying to push forward this new movement of sustainable living yeah i i can share a bit of a confession yes please um i'm actually a bit hesitant to share this confession because it's it i i'm gonna come off as very hypocritical i do acknowledge that but you know even for someone who is aware of certain ngos that um such as live love recycle which can pick up your 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 sorted trash at your door they can come to you and do that for you Mm -hmm. i still don't use this option and to be honest i'm not sure why there is a certain laziness Me too. maybe there isn't uh maybe although i acknowledge the urgency of uh you know going on this sustainable route mm-hmm. i i'm not able to do that and that's it does require that extra effort from us as individuals so yeah yeah, I get that. And I actually once, and this brings me back to a point last year, I think we were in the middle of like early lockdown. And uh, I came across the Live Love Recycle website. And I was so mm-hmm. amazed by the fact I didn't know that it existed in Lebanon to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I went to my mom and I was like, Mom, we have to do this because we have so much trash that comes out of our household alone. So I can't imagine 
how the trash that comes yeah. out of the building that we live in because um we just consume a lot and that's yeah. that's so bad like i hate to admit this yeah. but we do consume so much but the way that we can be part of the solution is partnering with these types of yeah. you know small businesses with these ngos and really start engaging and pushing our parents to be part of the solution because I tried my best to convince her, but she was like, no, no, there's no point to it. There's no head. So like now this, this podcast is actually making me want to go co- have a conversation with her again and just highlight like everything bad that's going mm-hmm. on because we are refusing to take on these solutions. Yeah. And it's not a matter of like credibility or reliability of these NGOs. Black is like these, these, uh, you know, I'm not going to say enterprise. These entities are very reliable and, we they're trustworthy because they tell us where our trash is going they sort Mm -hmm. through the trash so their whole purpose of existence is to help us live a more sustainable life so it's really up to us to want to partner with them and and i think that it's also their fault that they're not marketing it well because they could at least like you know put out some ads or something Mm -hmm. that would show how the problem is 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 going right now and what the solution could be to kind of motivate people old and young to be part of the solution yeah so yeah maria do you have anything else to add yeah if i just our next topic yeah for sure if i just may add on that is uh for example which is something i find really inspiring honestly and i've seen that this has been a strategy to inspire people so for example what they do is they get people to recycle and it's not just recycling for the sake of recycling, but for example, with the bottle caps that they use from the bottles, they make wheelchairs and give them to people that can't afford some, which That's I find so cool. really inspiring. And it's so nice. Mm-hmm. And as well, there is this other initiative that was started by uh, someone I know from my school, and it's called Plastic Free Lebanon. And the whole concept behind it all was beyond amazing. He was encouraging people to recycle for the sake of breaking a Guinness World Record. And he got so many people to recycle. And what he did know is him. he made yeah, the biggest flag made out of recycled material. And everyone got so wow. excited and wanted, wanted to be part of that. So I really think that mm-hmm. NGOs need to find this kind of strategy to encourage people to show them that it is bigger than themselves. So recycling is going to be for the greater good, which is especially these two NGOs. I found that they did a really good job in doing so. That's right. really cool. I just want to add something. I I I this point. Uh, the thing is, it's not that people don't know that recycling is good for the planet. It's just that people don't necessarily. They feel like if I don't do it in Arabic, you know, we say shu fit alayye. Like <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, it's not going to be your fault. There doesn't seem to be enough of a collective effort. People are seem to be waiting on another person to, you know, mm-hmm. take care of it for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I to speak on behalf of the older generation, although I don't really want to do that, but <laughs> they go out of their way. I'm talking about my parents specifically, for example, like they don't seem to want to go out of their way to recycle or to do anything for a sustainable cause, you know, because it, it poses an inconvenience for them and they already have a lot of inconveniences in their day-to-day lives you know exactly yeah going yeah. commuting back and from work is already you know three hours of their day and the stress and anxiety that comes with that Agreed. you know and this is a small thing but it's it is one of the reasons that they no longer feel inclined to to put in that extra effort for the environment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um that's actually a very interesting conversation and i think that this conversation itself needs 
you know, a separate episode for it. But um, before we wrap up, I actually have a question to ask about, you know, the items that we're using on a day-to-day basis for COVID are masks. Yeah. So our masks have presented a new way of of waste or a, a new form of waste that we don't recognize the actual um effects of it and the fact that people might undermine like when they're disposing their masks where is that mask going and Mm -hmm. what is the mask doing to the environment now people will of course come and say you know what covid in and of itself alone is such is is worrisome for me to worry about where my mask is going when i'm throwing it like that's what you want me to worry about too no i don't want you to worry about it too but like i want you to acknowledge the fact that this is also contributing to the to the general problem so I, I remember, Maria, you actually wanted to talk about this in detail. So if you'd like mm-hmm. to start us off. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, like, it is true that the pandemic in itself is such a big problem and people are suffering mm-hmm. suffering from it from a day-to-day basis. But this does not give us the right to completely ignore sustainability and us being able to just make this small change in our lives that's not going to be that big of a deal so for example when i go for a walk with my dad and i go on the street and i see so many masks thrown on the floor in the trees Mm -hmm. in the grass it's it's so sad to see because just throwing it in the trash can is not that big of a deal and it's not too much to ask and there's also this small concept that we can all be doing and i've been i saw it quite a lot on instagram which is when we throw away our masks because knowing lebanon a lot of our pollution is going to end up in the sea so the least we can do for example is cut off the straps because when our masks end up in the ocean the the birds their feet are gonna get get tangled up in it and they're gonna drown and this is like it's such a small thing that we can do but at the same time it's going to make such a huge difference because knowing lebanon a lot of our trash ends up in the sea we like it or not so i really think Mm -hmm. that even though we're going through tough times and we're all having a rough time and we are suffering and we're sad and we might be depressed or whatever we might be facing, this does not give us the right to completely ignore and us being able to just let aside all of this that is literally going to have such a bad effect on us in the future if we do not act now. Very true. Very true. To, be, to just end that, to like carry that last point out, I'd mm-hmm. like to share a concept that I learned of last semester actually and it's the concept of eco-anxiety and it is this anxiety that some people are feeling about the fact that you know our our planet is um, falling into small pieces and we it may go and we may go extinct soon and the anxiety that comes with all the <laughs> predation that we are contributing to this planet yeah. I didn't realize the thing but I, I do I, I do understand why it mm-hmm. is such a big thing every time by something you know uh, an empty space that is just filled up with trash it does it does create a, a lot of worry in me yeah. um so, yeah and what people don't realize i actually watched this youtube video a few weeks ago about our trash and the fact that our tra- everything we consume right will end up eventually um this will, will end up being disposed of right and it will always end back in, in it will end up being in um, the landfills and in, in, in whatever empty space we can mm-hmm. find to dispose of this trash. Yeah. So this trash is still on earth. This trash is still right. on our land, still part of, of 
of our environment, of our ecosystem. It's not like we're throwing trash into space in order for us to think that, oh, the problem is going to be solved. Exactly. I wish we can send all the trash that we have into a spaceship <laughs> and just let it and just wave at it. But like, it, if it were that easy, we would have solved the problem yeah. already. But the trash that you're disposing of is still there. Like, it's not like it's leaving your house and going somewhere that you're never going to, like, reach or um, be exposed to again you're exposed to your trash every single day in the air that you breathe in the water that you drink Mm -hmm. in everything that you do your trash is involved so next time you throw something that could have easily been recycled or that could have easily been you know used as a second-hand item don't throw don't throw away your clothes for example donate them start a thrift shop start your own business and just start <laughs> selling clothes because now there's this new trend of thrift shopping, yeah. for example. That's a cool idea. So yeah. try to figure out ways to save your planet because small steps matter. And I think that's the idea that we wanted to come to and conclude with, you know, for this specific episode is that the smallest gestures make the biggest difference. Exactly. Don't think that you're not involved. We all are involved. We're all equally involved. Me, Maria, Reem, you as a listener, you are involved. We need to be part of the solution, whether we like it or not, whether we want to, uh, to, whether we want to admit it to ourselves or not, we have to be part of the solution. So I think yeah, the concluding yeah. thing that I would like to say is that, yes, you know, whatever we're capable of doing, we each know that on our own. So it's exactly, up to, you know, do that research. To, there's a lot of resources out there that could, you know, give you some inspiration mm-hmm. on how to lead a sustainable lifestyle some people mm-hmm. are able to afford um you know items other than others the kinds of items i'm saying for example like a bamboo toothbrush rather than a plastic one because yeah. of the fact they're able to afford, they can do that but it is up to us to individually do that research to find what how we can contribute to um or integrate more sustainable ways of living into our lives Definitely. because we can't just give a list of like one two three items that we should all do mm-hmm. uh, it does, they might not apply to everyone. Because it's a everyone, very personal process too. Yeah. Right. But if everyone mm-hmm. can go out of their way a little bit to figure out what they can do, then, you know, that's the first step. Yeah. 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 I like that. And I think that's it for today. And thank you for joining us, Maria and Riem. And thank you, dear listener, for listening this um, for listening to this week's episode. And I'm so excited because this is part of our official launch. I'm saying it again, our COP series, our COP talks, which are synonymous with the themes that the COP team have chosen for that specific month. So next month, we have a whole new, um, you know, a whole new theme coming. I'm very excited. Do you guys want to reveal it? Like, do you know what it is? Or do you want to keep it a surprise? There's no need to keep it a surprise. We can definitely okay. reveal it. <laughs> we're going tackling mental health. And when we okay. say tackling, it kind of means going at it at different angles. So, yeah. mm-hmm. when, for example, in sustainability, we did a podcast about, you know, just the general topic of sustainability and articles tackling uh, sustainability from different angles. You know, it's, it's, it'll be that. a for the different themes months. But uh, okay. yeah, be sure to check out the COP page on the website. Be sure to check out the Bayman blog. Um, mm-hmm. We're, going we're planning on posting on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And actually, by the time that this episode is out, um, an official blog article would have been published already on the blog. So right. I'm really looking forward to that. So if you want to pair this podcast episode with an intellectual piece, you can. Um, so if you're more of a visual learner, this, that will help you out. 
Um, and you can also check out, like Kareem said, the COP page on the Bayman blog, where you're gonna uh, on the Bayman website, where you're gonna find more um, more articles written on this topic. So once again, I thank you for listening and uh, catch us in next week's episode. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Medio. Thank, thank you for you having us. Thanks Bye. For Bye.